My name is Gianni Russo, a.k.a. Carlo, the infamous son-in-law from The Godfather. I'm now known as the Hollywood Godfather, and this is my story. Before all of the wins in my portfolio, I was a little boy diagnosed with polio. Welcome, everybody. It's time for another Hollywood Godfather podcast, and my compadre is with me here, Patrick Piccarelli. Let's have a great show. Hey, let's do that. We have uh, uh, what we're going to do tonight is is uh, is answer emails, and we've been putting out a request from uh, those who have uh, read our book. Uh, if they want to know uh, anything that they're unsure of, or questions, or, or the process of writing, or whatever, we requested that they submit emails, and they did. But we also have quite a few others. So, without further delay, let's get down to it. All right, for Gianni. Uh, do you have any stories about Jimmy Allo back in the day, A-L-O? I know him well, Jimmy Blue Eyes. Okay, tell us yeah. about him. Jimmy Allo. Jimmy Allo, he moved to Florida later on in life. We had so much fun. I can't say whose birthday party it was it's the last time I was with him, and then he passed soon after that. We had a big birthday party on a 100-acre ranch in Boca, and the kids of the birthday guy – they had earth, wind, and fire on stage. They so were performing now, at the party. Performing at the party. That's the kind uh, of party, the money here. Yeah. And so they obviously, they you know Jimmy, and they gave him the most prominent table. And but when the act got up, he took his, come over here, Johnny, sit over here a minute. Tell these guys to lower that stuff. What are they, crazy singing like this loud? I said, It's Jimmy, a rock band. No, but I said to him, Jimmy, that's earth to win the fight. He said, I don't want a weather report. I'm the shut <laughs> up. <laughs> oh, man. Jimmy blew so, uh, but Jimmy is no longer with us? No. And in fact, I, my memory serves me right. Jimmy Kahn played him in a, a movie. I didn't know when that was, but I knew Jimmy really well, unfortunately. What a gentleman. But he, he got down there and he's with Santo Traficante, and they ran a lot of stuff between Cuba and, and, and Miami and for the whole five families in New York. Well, that uh, question was from Stefano. We hope you uh, that Johnny answered it uh, to your approval. Okay, this is from Will. Hey, Patrick, ever think of uh, writing anything up? Uh, 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 let me start this again. Ever think of writing up anything regarding Steubenville, Ohio, which was a wide open town, Dean Martin, Jimmy the Greek, and Dino Cellini? Good material there. Well, no, you know, uh, well, what Gianni and I are concentrating on is uh, the fiction series, and uh, that's that, that's probably it. E even before Gianni and I uh, started our projects, I would only write uh, about what people uh, uh, sought me out to write. I, I, I I'm a collaborator for the most part. I mean, I've written novels and screenplays and, and like that, but if I'm going to write about something that I'm really not familiar with, it's generally uh, about someone who lived the life and I'm just the guy who writes down their story. So uh, in the event uh, anybody ever approaches me about Steubenville, I'll consider it. That said, we're kind of busy here. Uh, so I don't know if that's ever going to happen. I didn't know uh, Steubenville was a, uh, uh, like a center for organized crime. You know anything about that, Johnny? Oh, yeah, I knew. Well, in fact, Dean Martin started in illegal gambling halls there. And uh, 
and that they liked him so much that he started singing. They had his nose fixed for him. <laughs> that was fixed. Oh, that yeah, he had a schnoz on him. You wouldn't believe it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take one deep breath to last him all day. <laughs> no, but the, no, that's that Steubenville has been known for a long time. Yeah. yeah, but probably cleaned up now, I would think, or no? Oh, I would think so, yeah. I mean, they, you know, I mean, there's some things still going on, Shaker Heights and stuff like that, but Steubenville is gone. Okay. Uh, Will, uh, the same Will, asks us, ask you actually a second question. I thought I heard you were coming to Cleveland this year. If so, when and where? I'm I'm getting those dates lined up right now, actually. So I'll I'll be putting them up, and I'll be in your neighborhood sometime this summer for sure. I got 18 dates. <laughs> yeah, when does your uh, tour start? It starts this Friday, and it starts in Carlsberg, Pittsburgh. Well, no, Clarksburg. no Carlsberg, uh, West Virginia. I go into Pittsburgh, and then they pick me up my car for two hours to get there. Yeah. It's it's a trip. It's about ninety minutes from me, and that's another hour for you. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a, a haul. Yeah. Okay, from uh, Heidi to Patrick and Gianni, love the Six Family. I heard you were taking questions about the book, so here it goes in the acknowledgments, and this is in quotes. And MM is thanked thanked for her permission. Who is MM? Marilyn Monroe. You- <laughs> Well, hold it now. You know, oh, okay. when, when did you get permission? And is there a story behind this you can share? You know, uh, when we asked for questions, we also said that we're not going to reveal anything that will be a spoiler in the book. So the uh, best we can answer that, or best I can answer it, and Gianni may have something to add, is, you know, we indicate at the start of the book that this is a work of fiction, except for the parts that are true. Uh, and we don't want to really differentiate what's fiction and what's true. That's up for the reader to figure out. And uh, we really can't comment on thanking M.M. for her permission and tell you who M.M. is. Otherwise, we would have mentioned M.M.'s name. So we're going to have to uh, bypass that question. But thank you, Heidi. Uh, I, by the way, I know who Heidi is. She's actually contacted me over the last uh, couple of months about various things. And I've spoken to her, a very nice woman. Anyway, do you have anything to add to that? No, I think, uh, like you said, we have to watch what we're clarifying as truth, and let's leave the novels keep going. (laughs) Right. Before we all get indicted here. Anyway, from Jerry, what are your plans for a second book? The Sixth Family was outstanding. Well, thank you very much for that. Uh, Anything in a series is, uh, you know, counts on, you know, what the first in the series did, or the last book in the series, in our case, the first book, if the sales are good and they're, 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 they're good so far, we, you know, everything, uh, be, being the same, uh, we plan on putting out one book a year. And, uh, the only thing we can say about the second book is that it takes place on the Caribbean Island of St. Martin. Uh, other than that, uh, we can't say much else. Johnny, you have anything to add? No, I think that that that's the intrigue of these novels that we're writing. I mean, we're going to take you to various areas and different time frames, but I, I guarantee you one thing: you're going to enjoy reading them. <laughs> the yeah, that, that's amazing. that's a very good point that you bring up. These books are not in chronological order; they right. bounce all over the place. Uh, the Sixth Family took place uh, at least it starts in uh, 1986, 
by the end of the book, uh, we're in a different year, but the second book is going to be more contemporary, uh, more current. And the third book is going to go back to the seventies. It's going to, it's just going to bounce around. Uh, so, uh, hope you answered that question to your satisfaction from Stefano. Oh, he's back. Okay. When is the audio version of the book being released? I would think with uh, uh, Mike, too, and I working together, we should finish. We had some catching up to do and re-recorded some stuff. And then I think he's going to turn it in next week, which would be the first week of April, I think. Yeah. And, and so that's where we're at. And whatever you know, that takes, audio, audio, that's up to yeah. them. Yeah, well, you know, uh, Audible.com, who releases... Uh, audio books through Amazon uh, is probably the biggest purveyor of audio books there is now. In fact, not probably, they are. They release 90% of the audio books that are out there. They have uh, certain criteria as far as sound goes. And uh, uh, we have to make sure that we hand in a pristine version of that book. Gianni did a fantastic job, but like anything else, it needs to be edited. And uh we're keeping to the timeline, as Johnny says, looks like the first week in April. Once they have it, however, they may, we, you know, we, we can't rush them. They're going to do what they have to do. It could take, according to our, uh, the person who's helping with the audio book, his name is Mike Dell, uh, it could take up to a month. So uh, we're, we're safe by saying it'll be out by May. And that's and it, for us, Pat and I are very comfortable about that because that's when the big summer read comes and people are going to beaches and want to listen to things while they're driving their car. Yeah, and, people are traveling, as Johnny says. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, we're looking, we're looking forward to it too. It's going to be uh, quite interesting. Okay, from, uh, from Dom. Love the Sixth Family. Charcoal Wu. He was a character in the book. That's charcoal, like the you know charcoal briquettes, stuff you do barbecues with. For those of you who haven't read the book, that's his first name. Charcoal Wu. W U. He's an Asian. Uh, was a mysterious character. Was he based on fact? Well, once again, uh, the book is fiction. But uh, in the case of Charcoal Wu. He was a real person. Charcoal Wu was a wheeler dealer in uh, Chinatown when I was a cop. And uh, he was always trying to get pistol licenses for people. Now, there, 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 were, there were brokers coming into the license division in the NYPD forever. I was an investigator. In fact, I was a sergeant at the time, and I ran a squad in the license division. We used to investigate shootings that were... Uh, uh, involved uh, with uh, pistol licensees. But I used to deal with these brokers and there, there was a lot of uh, intrigue, uh, could have been a lot of corruption involved. And it was one of my jobs to keep everything straight. Charcoal Wu, though, was a real slippery character. He wound up getting murdered uh, in his apartment on West 23rd Street. And the person that was under suspicion, and I don't want to uh, use his name, he's long retired. I don't even know if he's alive anymore this was in the late 80s, he was the prime suspect in Charcoal Wu's homicide. He was a sergeant on the job in the license division. And they wow. thought something was going on between the two of them as far as uh, uh, bribery goes. It was never proven. And this person retired. The sergeant retired on a disability pension. And as far as I know, Charcoal Wu's 
murder remains unsolved. But he has nothing to do, his, his real life uh, profession, occupation, or whatever has nothing to do, for those of you who didn't read the book, with the story. I just like the name. I think it's so cool. Oh, it's great. I, I, I yeah, felt I, it intriguing myself reading it. Yeah, I even mentioned uh, in, in the book, one character says to the other character, what kind of a name is Charcoal? I mean, who names their kid Charcoal? This guy's legitimate name was Charcoal Wu. So Charcoal... Oh, I didn't know that. That's that's a good yeah. fact to know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's been long departed since the 80s, but uh, he is now immortalized in print. Okay. From Gerard. Uh, I want to thank Gianni for appearing at Rhode Island's uh, Comic Con. I drove all the way from Long Island to meet him. He was so gracious and took the time out to talk to me and my brother for a while. It was an honor to meet him. In terms of show ideas, I was wondering if Gianni had any stories about Joe DiMaggio. Uh, and to continue, either personal stories of interactions with him, the stories about Joe and Marilyn, Sinatra, and or the mob. I love the podcast and tell my friends to listen. Keep up the good work, guys. Now, we have spoken about this in the past, but uh, maybe you, you can touch on something, Gianni, for the sake of Gerard. Well, you know, I knew Joe DiMaggio early on because it, they hung out at Toot Shores. Anytime the Yankees were in town, they were at Toot Shores. And if they're not playing, obviously, and that's why I saw Marilyn, but I never met her until later on at Lily Dashay when I became a shampoo boy because I had to. But what I got to know about him, he was really a very jealous and hurtful guy to her. And then finally, they, they made up. I'm going to get back together, actually, just before she died. Was he controlling? He was definitely controlling. He hated her sex symbol. He hated all that, which I was saying to myself, well, that, what are you doing with it? That's all she was known for. Yeah. But the big demise, I don't know how many people read our first book, at Cal Neva, she called him to come and rescue her. And he made the mistake by calling Sinatra, saying, what's going on at Cal Neva? She wants me to come and pick her up. And Sinatra said, Joe, mind your own business. Don't come here. And three days later, she was dead. Yeah, that could have been a contributing factor to, to her death. And I wondered how he lived with that, because he truly loved her. I mean, I mean, to the day he died, he was bringing flowers to her grave. Yeah, I mean, that, that was a whole other thing that he did that every day. He, had, he didn't bring them yet because okay. he was never in that area all the time. Okay. He had flowers delivered every day. And for him, because he was really a, a cheap guy in the long run, he must have made some kind of deal with this florist because I know this guy don't go for nothing. <laughs> you know, talking about Marilyn, I was watching something yesterday on, on a cable station. I forgot what it was, but they were... Uh, uh, they were talking about the movie Some Like It Hot and what went on during the uh, production. And Some Like It Hot is always in the top 10 of the best comedies ever made. Those of you who haven't seen it, I've seen it numerous times. It's worth, it's worth the watch. But they said uh, there was uh, uh, quite a few production delays because of Marilyn's pregnancy. Hello. First time hearing of that. What about you? No, I knew that was going on at the okay. time. I was friends with her right after that. I, I shampooed her hair. I watched Some Like It Hot 10 times when it was in New York Palmer 24 hours a day. So that was all current. And she was living in New York. And as you touched on in, in our book, that, you know, the pregnancy. And basically, 
she was with uh, Lee Strasberg's daughter, who was a teacher, when the school was down on 15th Street, right off of Park Avenue. I used to walk down and get her at night and bring her back to the hotel. So I talk about the actor's studio. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, In fact, uh, that's that, that's what this uh, uh, segment was about, the actor's studio. Uh, uh, Al Pacino was, uh, was interviewed uh, extensively. But uh, uh, Marilyn's uh, supposed pregnancy uh, is featured as a plot point in the sixth family, for those of you who haven't read it. Right. So that's a good again, reason to buy it. I tell you, yeah, you find a lot about it. Yeah. We, we sort of elaborate on that anyway, but thank you, Gerard. Okay. From David, what can you say about Vincent Giganti and his, and his brother, the priest, any chances of doing a show on him? I, I guess they're referring to the chin, even though his, his brother, right. What, what what kind of support? I mean, his brother was constantly, I can't say in trouble, but they used to question him about how much he was supporting the mafia and his brother. Well, you know, his, his brother used him and they were very close. I, mean, I didn't get to know them really well. I knew of them because, you know, they've been then moving down to the neighborhood and then Chin and, you know, Chin's relationship with Costello was very close. You know, that whole attempt on his life and missing him as we, we well know in that elevator <laughs> there's no way you're missing somebody if you're STV going wonder could have been that shot i mean i know <laughs> anyway uh it it, it it was alluded that the priest did, well they didn't come out and say it but he was involved in almost day-to-day operations he of, loved it though he loved when i mean he went off to be a priest every every catholic family even my my grandfather the firstborn of his children was supposed to be dedicated to the church. My older sister, Teresa, went to the postulate when she was 14. I was wishing I was the oldest for the longest time because I think I'd be Pope by now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he loved the limelight. The, the, the priest had a, he had a parish in the Bronx, if I recall. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he passed away not, not too long ago. But uh, yes, fascinating story. And, you know, nobody ever did a book, as far as I know, about the priest and the gangster. I mean, they were very close. And that would be a very good topic. Yeah. So I'm sure there's a lot. Just just in the media, there's a lot about it. But, uh, okay. This is from uh, Michael. Sorry I can't find the episode. Uh, but you guys did an episode on the, on, on the... Oh, no. Forgive me. Sorry, I can't find the episode. But they did an episode on the Blacklist, which is a television show where the government finds out about encrypted cell phones and tries to use them in a sting, but someone tips uh, local criminals about it. From what I, I remember, it was either uh, season seven or eight. Well, uh, he, he's he's referring to the show also that we did. It's one of these things that are ripped from the headlines, but when the Blacklist did the show, which is supposed to be entirely made up, they didn't realize that this stuff was actually going on. Yeah. Uh, uh, organized crime was buying cell phones and... Uh, we did the show about it, and uh, it's been on it for last month. And there was a there was a big thing, it's, and that the case is not over. So far, they've arrested eight hundred people worldwide on it. This, so, this uh, gives us a great opportunity to give a shout out to Megan, who was our uh, partner in this, and then she went on to the blacklist. <laughs> well, yeah, what is she? What's the job there? She's the assistant to him. Uh, oh, to who? Spader. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, okay. 
the star. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's the last season. I wonder if she, maybe she'll come back to us. I doubt maybe. it. She's, she's so aggressive. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is from Tommy. Gentlemen, as a fellow pod- podcaster of Before the Lights, and which Johnny was kind enough to be a recent guest. Yeah, I remember that show, actually. Uh, and I've, I've seen Gianni's new show. I want to say uh, uh, thank you for all you do. I have a suggestion to hear a show about Tom Hanley, H-E-N-L-E-Y, and his crazy son, Gramby, if Gianni knows about them. Tom was a mob hitman. It has been said that he has linked over 20 murders, which includes a culinary union boss, Al Bramlett. Al Bramlett, and you shot him in the parking lot of McCarran Airport. I know the whole story. That's great. No, No, I mean, mean, he's a major guy, and they they weren't using Italians for obvious reasons. And uh, Bramlett, I mean, he was one of the most powerful culinary union guys in the world. Imagine how many culinary workers are in Las Vegas. Thousands and thousands. Yeah, and he was out of Chicago, controlled by Chicago, and that I think in that one month, they they had a, a couple of people murdered because uh, certain people wanted to take over that situation, and they did. But, uh, the Hanleys were great; they, they were like the Westies. You'd hire them, and they they were hired for kill. So why was why was this union boss Al Bramlett murdered? You know. Because he was getting too powerful not listening to his bosses in Chicago. Uh, shame on him. Hello. <laughs> okay, moving right along from Gary. Oh, by the way, uh, this is a story I think that Johnny and I will be looking into and see if we can get a show out of it. So, uh, you know, we will keep you posted. And once again, we've mentioned this numerous times. Anybody has any show ideas, let us know. But uh, we'll, we'll be checking this out. Okay, uh, from Gary. Uh, uh, looks like you've uh, led a very interesting life so far. I don't know. Looking at you, Johnny, I don't think it's ever going to change. But that's <laughs> that's just my opinion. You aren't going to retire today, and it's the end of the podcast. No. You're going to nope. live on a nope. mountain somewhere in, in Burma, right? No, no, nope. I'll be around for another. Well, my doctors just told me last week I'll, they they predict I'll live to 115. So I'm ho- I hope they're right. <laughs> yeah, it makes two of us. All right. Anyway, uh, Gary says I graduated. Newtown, and that's the high school that I went to in 67. I don't uh, remember having uh, known you. I grew up in uh, Middle Village. Okay, first of all, I would have graduated in 64 had I graduated, but I didn't. Uh, and that school had at least five to 10,000 students in it. It was jammed. So, I mean, people even in my class, uh, in my, you know, my year, I didn't know. I was only there uh, for, for two semesters. And I was basically asked to leave. I, I wasn't such a nice person back then. I know hard to believe, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was raising hell. So I, I mean, I, it took me, I must've mentioned this before. I don't want to beat it to death, but it, it, it took me three high schools to graduate high school. I was a high school dropout, but I finally, uh, went, went back and completed, uh, high school one summer session plus another semester to get out only because the army rejected me. Because I didn't have a high school uh, diploma. Oh, you needed a diploma to get into the army. Yep. And oh, uh, but that was and, even during the draft. Why was that? That was during the draft, and not only that, it was uh, during the Vietnam War. Yeah. And they, 
that was still picky. And I don't think it was so much being uh, accepted, but if you wanted to pick as an enlisted person, you could pick what school you wanted to go to, you know, what, what, what occupational uh, area you wanted to be in in the military. Right. Right, right, you right. had to have that, uh, that high school diploma. So the only reason I went back and got my high school diploma was because I wanted to go in the military, even though once I was in, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I figured what the hell, might as well get it. But yeah, I was a high school dropout. And now, as Johnny once put it, I have more degrees than a thermometer. Which, you know, <laughs> right. Life changes. Anyway, uh, shall we uh, Shall we take a break? Yes. We'll be right back. And don't go anywhere. We'll find you. We know where you live. Today's show is being sponsored by Corleone Fine Italian Food Products. This sponsor really means a lot to me. Corleone Fine Italian has taken the heart and soul of the Godfather films and created a line of food products that include pasta sauce, balsamic vinegar from Modena, Italy, Genco extra virgin olive oil from Sicily. They created delicious pasta sauces, marinade, tomato basil, arrabbiato, and my favorite, Clemenza's meat sauce. You will be amazed. You will think your grandmother made the sauce herself. CorleoneBuyingItalian.com That's CorleoneBuyingItalian.com We're back. Okay. We are back. Uh, we have uh, an email from Karen. Love the podcast. I've been a listener from the beginning. Gee, I haven't even been a listener from the beginning. That, <laughs> that's impressive. Okay. Uh, this is interesting. I, I read this uh, prior to coming on the show. Were you guys aware that there is a rare book called The Godfather Journal, written by Ira Zuckerman, who wrote uh, notes on The Godfather set. He was given a grant by the American Film Institute to record what he saw. I have a PDF, but uh, did not attach it, as you have previously commented that you did not read emails with attachments. I'd be happy to send it if you'd like to read it. Anyway, Gianni. Uh, anyway, Gianni is in the book, and it confirms uh, that he uh, indeed su suffered a rib injury as well as a chipped elbow during the fight scene with James Kahn. Unfortunately, the student did not record the scene with uh, Talia Shire that has caused the recent upset. Uh, there have been a lot of interesting de details in that book. P.S. Please consider doing a show on the mafia involvement in Cuba, particularly Frank Costello, Sinatra, and of course, Gianni's firsthand insights. Okay. You know a lot about Cuba. I was there when they left. They said they, in the Godfather too. They said it was Christmas Eve. It was actually two days after Christmas that we we had every. I mean, Sinatra luggage was full of cash because they got word that Batista's out on New Year's Day. I so I guess that what, what they fly out on a private aircraft. Oh yeah, I mean, they, they, what kind of money they had? Well, Fidel didn't take over yet. So Batista was still in charge. Yeah, you know, uh, this is a uh, this isn't a a naive question, but just for the sake of our listeners, what about customs when they landed in the United States? No, they didn't worry about that. This was before nine eleven. You could you fly into Miami. They they all had their hands out, especially the private airfields. Yeah. I mean, they they took the manifest, checked who he's are. That that's it. But especially with Sinatra and Ava Gone and the people like that were coming in and out of there. They yeah. loved it. Can I have a picture with you? That's all they were worried about. <laughs> oh, the good old days. Oh yeah. Hey, Courtney wants to know or has said, "Hi, Gianni. 
I was wondering if you spent any time with Louis Prima and also why didn't he become a part of the Rat Pack? Love the show. Thank you. Well, a lot of reasons why Louis Prima was bigger than all of them before them. And he loved doing the lounge act. He made a deal at the Sands Hotel. I mean, this guy did four or five shows a night. I got tired. Six in the morning. Yeah. Sam Butera, the witnesses, even, yeah. um, oh, what's the name? Uh, oh, his uh, wife. Uh, no, they, no, yeah, no, that. No, I'm talking about the band. I knew the band. I knew so the Sam Butera and the witnesses backed him up. Not huh? Sam Butera, but I'm talking about the witnesses' names. I knew oh. No, they, I mean, I, I was in that lounge every night. I loved it. Everybody. Yeah, I, you know, it, there's a bunch of uh, CDs, and you, you, you can you can stream his music. Uh, the guy was uh, was a phenomenal entertainer, and at his age, I mean, he was doing this show well into his seventies. Oh yeah, but the thing too, people don't realize, his show in a major showroom wouldn't work because he's all over the place. He'll play one song for, for fifty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> He'd yeah. go on for an hour straight, two hours. They didn't want that. Yeah, I tell you, if, if anybody wants to see Louis Prima, those of you who are uh, of a certain age and never heard of him, uh, go on YouTube. Uh, you'll, 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 you'll get exhausted just watching the guy. He's just a phenomenal yeah. His energy is His son's out now, you know, Louis Prima Jr. He's you got an act? Oh, yeah, he's got a big act going on. Like his dad's? Exactly. Like his dad. That's why he did it. Yep. Is he in Vegas? He's, all in, he's, he's in all the casinos. Louis Prima Jr. You'll see him. Oh, wow. Let's check that out. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, from James. Patrick, I read uh, former NYPD police chief William Bratton's book called Turnaround, How America's Top Cop uh, Reversed the Crime Epidemic, which I enjoyed and found informing. So I bought Bernard Kerrick's uh, memoir from my library, but have not read it yet. Uh, <laughs> what, what a comparison. <laughs> yes. I mean, day. Anyway, hello. Uh, because uh, I thought he continued the same policies. But I've heard you have strong opinions against Kerrick. Can you elaborate on that? Well, it's not so much against Kerrick. Uh, it, <laughs> it, was against, it was against Giuliani uh, uh, that, yeah. that put Kerrick in, in a police commissioner's office. Uh, I don't think Carrick was prepared for it. Uh, he was a correction officer, and I believe the commissioner of corrections before he became Giuliani's driver. Driver. I mean, I and mean, then they and, wanted to make him a head of Homeland Security. Are they kidding? Well, that was a downfall, and we discussed that on a former show. But uh, uh, as with anybody, this is just my opinion, but I think uh, as with quite a few people who get power, suddenly laid upon them they cannot handle it and they i think he took advantage of it i mean he was uh, uh taking a task you think <laughs> he had his well, house built <laughs> hey he was taking a task first of all they they, they caught him taking his gumbara uh, gumbara up to an apartment uh in downtown manhattan that was specifically allocated uh for uh, uh the workers on the pile which was what the cops and the fire yep, yep. uh what was left of the twin towers. So they can go up to the apartment, they can shower, relax they, can they wanted to. And he takes it over with his girlfriend, who was uh who, I don't want to mention her name, uh, but she was a big deal in the publishing industry. 
she published this book. I had a run in with her. She, she blacklisted me <laughs> for a couple of years. Uh, uh, not a nice person. Anyway, after that, uh, he was eventually jailed. I think he did four years for uh, having work done on his home uh, by uh, mob-connected uh, businesses. And uh, uh, and he's out now. I mean, he never got in any trouble anymore. I just felt that, that the job got away from him, you know, and uh, uh, comparing. I wonder, what, I wonder what he's doing now. That's a I see him on Fox every now and then. You know, he does what everybody else does, not just because he got jammed up, but uh, everybody that has uh, has a high position, they become a consultant. What the hell that means, I was never able to figure out. But uh, he's a consultant in doing something uh, do, to do with crime. But comparing Bernard Carrick to, to Bill Bratton, who is the ultimate uh, oh, law enforcement no, no, no. professional, is, is a stretch. Uh, okay, let's get away from him. Uh, Mitchell from Florida, not to be confused with uh, Mitchell from Jersey City, I guess. But <laughs> Mitchell from Florida wants to know, dear Mr. Russo, hope you and Mr. Piccarelli are well. Yeah, last time we checked. Anyway. Yeah, we're doing good. Yeah. Thank you for the, your great recommendations for Italian food in New York. While visiting, I walked from Central, the Central Park area to La Mela in Little Italy. That's great. That's the best feel that I've ever had in my life. Well, you can tell this guy comes from Florida, even though they're good Italian restaurants in Florida. Anyway, the restaurant itself seemed very authentic, not commercialized like several other restaurants in the area. I also visited the restaurant uh, by the park in Corona. What, the, what that, that could be. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's called the Parkside, uh, Mitchell. And, and, uh, and the food and the service was excellent. Uh, thank you both for continuing to do the podcast and for bringing weekly joy and entertainment to my life and the lives of many others. Well, thank you for saying well, that. Thank uh, you, really. Thank it you. ends with uh, God bless. And uh, if, if, if if you like the food in the park side, you may want to read uh, The Sixth Family. Oh, yeah. Hello. And we we won't say why, but uh, you'll understand. Well, the, the, good, the good news, we dedicated the book to Tony Federici. Yeah, it's true. Uh, we dedicated the book to the owner of the, of the park side, who unfortunately passed away about two months ago. Yeah. Uh, okay. From Tom. Patrick, in an earlier podcast, I think you mentioned doing an episode on Willie Moretti. Uh, Willie was my father's maternal uncle. I've read many accounts of his, quote, friends and of his uh, relation with uh, Frank Costello and Sinatra. His house in Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey, was the first house I ever saw Walter Wall Carpet. Unfortunately, he was killed two years before my birth. But I have found through a lot of, uh, of checking that the key file for hearings online and if you read Willie's testimony, I challenge anyone to say he was losing his mind due to syphilis. He was tight and funny and most of all gave them nothing. Uh, Genovese uh, needed him gone to get at Costello. Uh, thanks, sir, for the long uh, email. Uh, Love the books, the podcast, and both Gianni and you. Well, no email is too long. And uh, you know, thank you for expressing your feelings. Oh, yeah, yeah it's, it's written everywhere that toward the end. Now, you know, syphilis is an insidious disease. That can take 30 years or more to take a hold of somebody. Uh, it happened happened to Al Capone, who c contracted it in the 1920s or in the late uh, 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 19 teens, and it didn't kill him until 1947. And toward the end, uh, in stage three syphilis, your brain deteriorates because that's where the disease attacks. So I don't know what year William already died in, 
But his testimony at the the, uh, the Kefauver committee could have seen him when it hadn't yet uh, done, uh, manifested in his brain. But there's a lot of documentation on it. The thing was, he was killed, according to the people who were supposed to uh, know a lot about it and who have written books about it, was that he, due to syphilis, he started talking too much. Uh, and he it wasn't under his control. He was just blabbing. And allegedly, that's why he, he got killed. If you know anything more about it, because I was never able to find out anything other than what I just said. And that's why he was killed, I believe, in his own restaurant. But uh, uh, I, I looked into doing uh, a show on him, but there's been so much about Willie Moretti. Yeah. That I don't think we'd be and saying they, And they differentiate, they differentiate from one to the others. A lot of it doesn't come up as facts to the next one. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I, I don't think we'd be, uh, you know, c- coming up with anything that isn't known. Now, we like to talk about things that people don't know about. And I'm going to get to a question shortly here, and I'm going to comment on it because, well, you'll see when, when I reach it. Uh, okay. Here's something that uh, is interesting. Hey, Megan. Because this guy hasn't listened to the show for a while, you know. Okay. <laughs> hey, Megan, for some reason, I'm not receiving the weekly newsletter. I would love to get it. I'm a big fan, and I'm hooked on uh, the weekly podcast. Also, I hope, Megan, you are still involved in the podcast uh, and hasn't uh, heard any commentary from you lately. Okay, well, we discussed Megan a little while ago. She went on to bigger and better things. You know, she had just graduated from Fordham University with a degree in communications now, this was, and rightly so, a stepping stone for her, and Gianni helped her along the line to where she is now. Uh, she wants to get into show business either as an actor or behind the camera. So she, she's not she's not with us any longer, but she did write the newsletter, and we're going to resurrect that. Uh, I wanted to resurrect it. Gianni and I were talking about this. We wanted to resurrect it uh, for the month of March, but we're overwhelmed with producing or uh, uh, promoting the book and a few other things, but as of April, we're going to get a, you're going to get, anybody who signs up for it is going to get a monthly newsletter where we're going to talk about what we would, what we used to talk about, what's going on, who's going to be on the show, what we're currently doing. So I hope that answers your question. you have anything to add? Nope, I think that says it all. Okay, yeah, but that's a very good question. And as I said, we were going to do our first reissue in March, but we're kind of busy and Johnny's going on a, on a big tour and uh, you know it's this is work believe it or not it's fun but it's work <laughs> we have obligations <laughs> yeah some of them we don't want to have but you know we have them anyway all right for gianni from michelle first off i love the podcast i love listening to you talk you have a wonderful way of telling a story my grandmother who was from philly had the same way about her so when i listen to you it's like going back in time and listening to her stories. I, I think that's a great tribute, Johnny. Her grandmother also had a deep voice. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. That's a compliment. I'm only teasing. Thank yeah, you. Look, look, you know, look, I look, can look. remind you of your grandmother. That's yeah. So uh, uh, well, yeah, who knows? You may look a little like her. I mean, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know either. Age. I'm a huge Godfather fan and, any, any, and anything regarding uh, immigrant history. And, of course, the mob is full of history. I don't even remember how I came across the podcast, but I've been listening to it every day while I'm working. I just got the book in the mail and the other day, the other day so uh, now I can read the book. The question is about my hometown of Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Sheboygan. I, know you have, I know you've talked briefly about Milwaukee, 
I was wondering if you knew anything about mob connections in Sheboygan. I've also, I've always heard that Sheboygan was one of those low-key places where mobsters would come. Supposedly, the supper clubs, the Flamingo for one, were frequent hot spots. I would love to see you come to Sheboygan to do a show. We have a beautiful theater, and I uh, think you would have a great turnout. If by chance you do come to Sheboygan, please let me know so I can take my family uh, and make sure we attend. Again, I am a huge fan, and now I shall go. Uh, so what's your name? What's your name? I don't know which. I don't know which book you got, uh, but I hope you got both of them. Anyway, okay. can you uh, make reference to Sheboygan? No, what I'd like to do is tell her, tell her to send us the information on the theater. And I'll go. I'm doing on this tour. It'd be great. I mean, Sheboygan. Yeah, I mean, you're doing a lot of stuff. I mean, you you start Friday, and we're not doing another show. I mean, we, we have a lot in the can for those who are listening, but we're not doing another show again until uh uh, we're, we're, we're a guest on a show on April first, but uh, you're how many how many cities are you going to be visiting? I'll be eighteen cities. Okay. No, but I'm only I'm only gone like Fridays to Monday. I'm only, yeah, we're going to be. I'm, 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 I'm do you know, a, a Saturday or Sunday performance. That's it. Oh, okay. I'm not doing oh. week runs or anything like that or a Broadway play. No. <laughs> Okay, uh, once again for Gianni Gale. Uh, working in Hollywood, do you have any uh, stories about movie bad guys James Cagney or Humphrey Bogart or female dancer Juliet Prowse? Julia Prowse. Well. Hello. Can, can we repeat it on the air or, or you can clean it up? Well, Julia Prowse, I mean, most people didn't know her, but she came, came to her own headlining the Desert Inn Hotel. She was a, a great song and dance girl, pretty girl, around everybody. Everybody liked her, and the mob put her to work in Vegas, and and then Howard Hughes fell in love with her, basically. She also appeared, I think, in another Presley movie. She, she appeared in, in, in a couple of Oh, movies. yeah, she did a lot of... She, she really never made it big, big, but she was, for that time, she was in Vegas and around these movies, like you're saying, Elvis and that. She was... Uh, she would have been another Anne Margaret, but then like, I don't know what happened to her actually. Well, she, you know, uh, uh, Sunday morning, the uh, the Sunday magazine show on CBS uh, interviewed her about a year ago. She was in her eighties, still looked good, uh, sharp, and they 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 talked about all Hollywood and stuff. But uh, if you uh, to a gal who asked this question, if you want to read a little more uh, about her, we don't mention her name. But there's a segment in there about an incident at a hotel in Vegas at the pool, poolside, with JFK. We will leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, here's Gail again. Uh, please explain the relationship of Frank Costello and the placement of jute boxes into stores. I was told that years ago, a store owner would be given $5,000 for a, a contract to allow machines with a 50-50 split on cash revenue with uh, with the company c covering any uh, breakage of mechanical problems and the company supplying approved records to be played. Was the areas covered by a uh, uh, local family such as Buffalo, Boston, or Cleveland, or was Frank Costello nationally in control? He was nationally controlled with the areas getting a piece of it. And that's how he's syndicated across the United States. Because everybody, let's say like Chicago, anywhere else, or they all got a piece of what was going on in their neighborhood. 
And that's why they watched. This is something I wasn't aware of. This is true. You can tell us. Were were, uh, establishment donors given $5,000 to put jukeboxes, uh, rather slots or jukes? Sure. Oh, I thought maybe they were told to put them in. No, no. They they gave him money. Oh, okay. No, he bought his locations. But he, well, he was the biggest vending guy in the world. No, he, he, one thing about Costello, he didn't strong arm anybody. He gave you an opportunity to make money, come and do it. And it did it and worked All right. well with him. All right, now here's, here's a question which I, I'll answer. No, let me say, tell you why he did that, though. See, if yes. you think about it, you being a police officer, once I give you 5000 you took that money from me. So now you're in business with me. I gave you this money. How did you report it? Did you put it on your income tax? No, of course not. <laughs> Where are you going? <laughs> yeah, so don't complain, please. Right. All right, from Vinnie L. Uh, thanks, Johnny and Pat, for reading my question, which was the last time we did this uh, segment, regarding Buffalo Jim Barrier, uh, his murder in Vegas. I hope you look into it as a good show topic, as it does involve organized crime. Well, Vinnie L., I did look into it. Uh, there's a lot of material on it. And very interesting. And if you check your email, well, you're going to listen to the show a couple of weeks from now. I, I, I wrote to Vinnyel today and I told him to contact me about this. And there's a lot of information online about it. Let's see if he's a good guest for us, if he'll come on. And if not, we can we can do a show on the homicide, uh, which has been questionable, whether it was a homicide or not for many years. And a very good story. So. Uh, Vinielle, I did respond to you. Okay. Uh, from Stefano. Oh, he's back. Hi, Gianni. Have you had to have, have you ever had any dealings with uh, Michael Eisner over the years? This guy owns my uh, local soccer team, Tom Pay. He's in the UK. Right. Michael no, Eisner? I, no. I thought no. there was a guy. I knew of them, yeah. I thought that was Michael Eisner that owned Disney. It's not the same guy, right? No, it's not the same guy, no. Not uh, no. Okay. I really enjoyed the. This is from uh, Sandy. I really enjoyed the podcast and have read and enjoyed both of your books. In episode 203, you spoke about loyalty and respect, and it reminded me of a line from the movie Lansky. Harvey Keitel, who plays Lansky, has figured out that the person he has hired to write his biography is giving information to the FBI. So he says to his writer, when you lose your money, you lose nothing. When you lose your health, you lose something. When you lose your character, you lose everything. Unquote. Good words to live by. And I, and I know both of you do. Keep up the good work and the best of you, uh, best uh, for a happy and prosperous 2023. Uh, Gianni, did you see the movie Lansky? No, not with Harvey Keitel. No. Okay, it was. I knew him. I knew Maya. <laughs> well, I know he and he. It was. It was straight to cable. Uh, uh, Harvey Keitel can't do anything bad, and right. uh, he, good he, actor. The part, but there's part about uh, him talking to somebody doing his bio. I believe that was put in there for the dramatic effect, right? Probably. Yeah, I don't believe. I don't, I don't remember he was going to give a bio uh, information writing a book while he was still alive. Yeah, I and mean, this was and it's, this writer thing is a theme throughout the entire book. 
I think the writer was talking that's to the probably editor. the thread. No, that's probably the thread. Yeah, I think it's other than that, I don't know how much of it was true. You know, if you ever watch it, it's on uh it's on Prime, I believe. But uh, you know, you know, you can let us know what you think. I didn't know how to respond to it, other than Harvey Keitel did a hell of a job. All right. From Vinny from Corum, New York. Heard the Madoff episode. Uh just uh, one addendum. This is something I did not know. Or maybe you didn't know either, Johnny. Uh, Madoff's sister and husband died in a murder suicide in Florida this past year. Oh, wow. Are you aware, are you aware no. of that? No, not at all. Neither am I. I figured that would have been pretty big news. I wonder why it wasn't big news. Maybe it wasn't. We just missed it. I don't know. The two of us wouldn't have missed it. Their husband and wife killed each other together, I guess. Yeah. Well, m- well one did. Murder suicide. Oh, a murder suicide. Oh, suicide wow. Well, I often wondered about those suicide packs. You know, two people holding guns to their own heads and saying, No, you go first. No, you go first. <laughs> Let's I, I make sure my gun had blanks in it. Yeah, three, <laughs> two, one. And then there's nothing. <laughs> They're waiting for the no, this was a murder suicide, if in fact it's true. We'll we'll look into it. Yeah, you look know? into it. I would love to look into that to find out. Yeah, that's a Okay, from Al, listener from the start, enjoyed the books and the podcast a great deal. Just listen to listen to the Kennedy assassination show. Patrick, lawyer, the lawyer in the London trial. Yeah, there was a mock trial. Uh, it was Vincent Bugliosi? We mentioned that. Uh, who was a lifelong student of this of the shooting and wrote a thousand page book. Yeah, it was called Reclaiming History. I read it, fifteen hundred pages. Uh, you have to be picky about it, but it was it, it was a freaking doorstop. In fact, talking about murder suicide, if you ever want to kid yourself, jump off this book. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You will land with a thud. Uh, anyway, it took it took me three months to read. This is the writer. Okay, Jack Ruby was across the street from the police station, wiring money to one of his strippers. The transfer of Oswald was delayed when Ruby walked out, and he noticed all the activity at the station. He walked over to the tunnel, uh, and that's when he saw uh, Oswald coming out. He had no idea the transfer would be late. Plus, he left Ruby, left his dog in the car. He tells, uh, he, he tells, uh, well, he tells me, but this is through the book, uh, that he acted on the spur of the moment. Also, 90% of the eyewitnesses, earwitnesses rather, in the plaza said they heard three shots from above and behind. Pelosi also shows that how it would be impossible to shoot the president from a sewer, which he did effectively. Finally, the shots have been created several times in our on video. Uh, uh, no turning of the bullets, no turning of the bullets in the pristine bullet has been uh, recreated. All of this is on video. Yeah, Bugliosi wrote what's considered the Bible of the assassination. He spent 30 years writing it, and it was so big they couldn't even make a paperback out of it. If you can find it in hardcover, which I did, I still have it. Wow. Exhausting. I mean, it took me literally years to read it because the minutiae, the people that he interviewed, the, 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 the depth of the people, the, he interviewed people who grew up with Oswald, who served in the service and, and the Air Force with him, went to Japan, went to his base, Interviewed his teachers, went to, interviewed everybody that was related to Ruby. I mean, it just went on and on. Just too much. 
at any one any one time. What what, what who who financed that book for him to do all this it research? Was, when Bugliosi retired, he did it all himself. Wow! This was going to be his swan song, and he didn't. He lived about ten years after the the, the, the book was published, but he also uh, was the prosecutor in the mock trial in London, and uh, uh, a lawyer, uh, a famous criminal lawyer at the time, Racehorse Haynes, represented. Uh, represented Lee Harvey Oswald to an impartial jury. And it was a regular jury trial with an actor playing Oswald and all the witnesses they flew over. And uh, It was on television. I don't know if they ever videoed it or the videos available, but at the end, uh, when, it, when it, it, went, it went to the jury, the, the, the jury convicted Oswald. Uh, it was very good. I, I remember uh, watching it, but I don't think it's around. If anybody has a copy of that video, uh, let us know. Okay, Tony, hi all, love the book and the podcast. I want to raise an issue about the podcast, particularly mm. episode 205, but it's happened in other podcasts. Okay, without going any further, this is something Johnny and I spoke about today. Uh, yeah. We've gotten a number of emails regarding a technical problem with up to 20 of our episodes, which we were unaware of. Yeah. Because we don't listen to our own podcast. Not, I don't know any podcasters who listen to their own podcasts. It's like actors who don't go and see their own movies. You know, we do it, it's done. And uh, what happened was, according to, and this is not from one person, this is from quite a few people, that while the podcast is ongoing, uh, the commercials are playing in the background. And I, you know, like I said, we got a lot of these and just recently. So we apologize for that. And we have brought it to the attention of our producer. And uh, we're going to make sure it doesn't happen again. And hopefully he can clean it up for people. Yeah, who are Thank gonna... you for bringing it to our attention. Yeah. No, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, we want to know about these things. You know, don't feel, you know, that you're uh, hurting our feelings. We want to know this. You oh, know? yeah. It's important that we know this, actually. Uh, and here's another one coming after it. The same thing. Okay. Uh, so we can skip those two. Okay, from uh, Megan and Anthony. I'm assuming it's not our Megan. But anyway, we love the show. Uh, we were both born and raised in Las Vegas, and we created a site, Mayhem in the Desert, about the true crime history of Las Vegas. We were curious as to Gianni's opinion of the age-old question for longtime Las Vegans. Was the town better when the mob ran it? Obviously, I think. It's my opinion only, but... Yeah, it was a different town. The style, the class, the safety, everything about it. You walk the streets, and you know nobody was getting. I mean, what the town is now. I mean, I, I, I don't. I wouldn't even want to go. To be honest with you. Yeah, it's like uh, Disneyland, but and then but not, I, not in a good way at this point because they, I mean, they reopened after COVID with a totally different clientele. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Gianni, you're from Savannah. I heard that you were coming to Cleveland uh, in another one in 2023. Could you tell me where the event will be? I think we already answered a previous question about Cleveland, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, okay. This is the last question. Uh, yeah, we, we ran through them all. Hi, Gianni. I'd love to listen to you and Pat on your podcasts. I read your book and love and love the story so well written by Pat. I have been, we both wrote that, by the way. Uh, I've been trying to purchase your album. Uh, from Feinstein's, but the uh, website won't let me type in my demographics. Is there another way I can purchase the album? I'd love to hear you sing, kick up the good work. 
and enjoy a happy and healthy new year. Uh, God bless you both. I don't know. I go on YouTube or whatever. I mean, we sell a lot of them. So, well, Amazon has it for sale. I bought it on Amazon. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I bought I bought Reflections. Is there another album? But I think she wants Feinstein's Alive. Oh, it's I another one. live album. Yeah, I've done several albums, but Feinstein's Live. I'm sure she could find it. I don't know how to do that. Like like you said, we don't listen to podcasts, and I definitely don't buy my own albums. <laughs> Oh, okay. Uh, look, if, if it's out there, Amazon will have it. Yep. And if Amazon doesn't have it, uh, if it's if, it, if it's out of print, uh, you can try eBay, or just go to Google and look for that album for sale. Yeah. Maybe some maybe somebody has it for sale. Anyway, we've gone a, a little over what we normally go over, but those are the questions. All right. Well, thank you all. Have a great weekend, and we'll be back next week. A yeah, great a, week, actually. Have a good night, everybody. We'll be seeing you. Thank you for joining us. Good All right. Night. Good night. And that was that. But I'll be back. Thank you for tuning no in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo or Patrick Picciarelli with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com which is where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather and on Facebook, as well as leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob in Hollywood as well as answers to your messages. My kids still can't believe I sat with a saint. My life's like scenes out of a movie. I'm the Hollywood Godfather, truly. I got stories with them all. You know, celebrities, world leaders, icons. Who knows what's next for me? I'll never get too old to have a little fun. Come on, I'm Gianni Russo. A genuine one of a kind. What a ride it's been, this life of mine. And I ain't done yet. I'll be back until next time. And that was that.